Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. So welcome back to Thrive, your agency resource. Today, we're actually going to talk about equity in reproductive health for all of your agency employees. And Flory Wilson is my guest. She's the founder and CEO of Gender Ideal, which is a nonprofit that uses data to shift the norms of workplace gender equity and inclusion standards. She's also represented by Consciousness Leaders. Flory, it is such a pleasure to have you today and so good to see you again. So good to see you, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So back in August, this show was sort of prompted in my mind because you actually published an article in the online platform, Be The Change. And I came across that. And this article was all about how companies, reproductive health benefits, whether or not everyone within an organization is actually protected in the ways that they need to be. So let's start out by talking a little bit about what was the driver for you in actually writing that piece? Sure. So, I mean, it all started for me in early May when we learned about the leaked Dodge ruling from the Supreme Court that, in fact, they intended to take away our federally mandated right to abortion access. At that point, I started working on, you know, what are the ways that that companies can support their employees on this particular issue, you know, because this is really the first time in five decades, certainly in my lifetime and in terms of, of most, you know, most working Americans and, and most women or people of childbearing age in America have, have actually had to kind of question their right to reproductive health freedoms. And so because half of Americans get our health insurance through our employers, you know, suddenly this is an issue now that really sits inside of the business community and inside of that relationship between employee and employer. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started kind of researching, well, what, what can and should companies do to protect their workers' reproductive health access? And then when that ruling fell at the end of June, what we saw was a lot of silence from corporate America with some notable exceptions. So, you know, and, and big companies like Salesforce, Levi Strauss, Amazon put out these statements that said, we support our workers' right to reproductive health services, and we will provide a travel reimbursement, right? But these, these statements were really like light on details. Mm -hmm. And, and, and kind of that pattern persisted for the you know weeks after the ruling came down. And so we decided to write that article in August because our goal is really to kind of push beyond, hey, that's a nice headline that you're saying you will cover travel reimbursement for your employees. But let's really get into the nitty gritty detail. Like, are all of your employees going to receive these benefits, even those employees who might not be on your health insurance plan that might be part-time, that might be gig workers? You know, well, what about employees who actually don't have the cash in their checking account or don't have credit cards to kind of cover the upfront costs? You know, 
accessing abortions and, and, and reproductive health services broadly, there is time sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So working through the mechanics of how you really are supporting your workforce on this issue, you know, the devil's in the details. And so our goal is really to kind of push and advance the conversation on this topic so that companies are thoughtfully unpacking the issue. Yeah. And I would imagine that there is an incredible amount of data that you have, you know, from all the research and everything that you've collected, whether it's just in general for reproductive health, but also the business case. So anything that you can share on that end? So much to share. And <laughs> I figured the question because, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel like part of the reason why we ended up where we are today in America as it relates to reproductive health is kind of a limited uh, understanding because we don't talk about this issue. Right. So let's just root a, a couple of things. I, and I've got all my data here. So I apologize for looking down. But, you know, first, what do we mean by reproductive health? Like, let's just like define that. So I like to reference the World Health Organization definition, which says, you know, reproductive health is having the capability to reproduce and the freedom to decide if, when, and how often we can do that. So, you know, right now in America, we have fallen way behind the global standard, the global definition of having reproductive health. It has been restricted in half of the states or nearly half of the states across the country, which means half of our population does not have access to reproductive health freedoms by that global definition. Now, I think there's a perception that like, well, but this is a fringe thing. This isn't common. So let's debunk that. Over the lifetime of a, of a woman's lifetime during her, her childbearing years, one in four women will have an abortion. Okay. So that's 25% of the population. Again, that's not a fringe. That's not a small number. It's quite common. And the other data that I like to kind of encourage people to think about this is on average in the United States in a given year, there are 6 million births. So 6 million new babies born in the United States every year. But also in a given year in the United States, there are 1.1 million reported miscarriages. Mm. Okay? These are kind of natural pregnancy loss. And that number I am positive is radically undercounted because the reality is many women have a miscarriage before they might even know they're pregnant. So there's that figure, 1.1 million. And then in addition, in a given year in the United States, there are about 1.2 million abortions. So those are therapeutic, meaning it's an abortion that is prompted because of risk to the mother and or risk to the child, the child will not survive a, a birth, or they are elective abortions, a woman choosing not to have a child for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So when you combine those figures of miscarriages and abortions, 30% of pregnancies in the United States in a given year do not ultimately result in a live birth. This right. is a huge number. And again, it, it's common, but people don't talk about it because it's also a really private topic. Sure. But I just want us to kind of root this in, in that issue. And then I've got some other sets that I think are really important, right? Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that that context as well. You know, yeah. these are numbers that we don't talk about and it's good to just have that kind of baseline. Yeah. So by a two to one margin, and this is all this, these are stats that came out even before the Dodge ruling dropped in, in late June, but by a two to one margin, Working adults said they would prefer to live in a state where abortion is legal and accessible. 56% uh, of college-educated women would not apply for a job in a state that has recently banned abortion. And now, this was before the ruling? 
That was before the ruling. And now since the ruling has come down, 86% of women say that controlling if and when to have children has been essential to their career and their professional growth. And and these next two stats come from ResumeBuilder.com. They have been looking at data from job seekers, again, since that ruling dropped at the end of June. 32% of job seekers, and this is evenly divided between men and women, will not apply for a job in a reproductive restrictive state. Mm. 27% of job seekers that are currently based in states that are reproducting, uh, that are restricting access to reproductive health care are only applying for jobs in states that are uh, pro-repro states or abortion safe haven states. And so what this shows is that already we are beginning to see these trends in labor force qualified, professional, skilled labor wanting to leave these parts of the country mm-hmm. where their rights have been restricted. Mm-hmm. And I also should say, women are graduating from college at higher rates than men and are finishing graduate degrees at higher rates of men. So when we talk about skilled, qualified labor, we are talking about women. Yeah. So this is, if you run a business in a state And there are some great resources that we can link to that show maps of where restricted uh, abortion access and reproductive health care access has already been restricted and where it may be further restricted after our midterm elections coming up in six weeks. But you can see where people are going to be relocating. And for employers, that's going to be a real issue. And it becomes a talent recruitment issue. And it becomes a talent retention issue. Mm -hmm. So companies that are providing benefits that are really holistically supporting their workforce are going to have a competitive advantage in hiring and, and retaining talent. Yeah, I mean, the data from the business case standpoint is extremely clear. So again, really good context there. Um, Can I add add one other thing, which is, you know, we're talking about equity on this issue. And so I want to just highlight a couple of stats and these are astounding. So I will give you like a minute to kind of process them, but to be a black woman in America who is pregnant is incredibly risky, is so much riskier than it is for white women. So Think about this for a moment. A black woman with an advanced degree is more likely to lose her baby than a white woman with an eighth grade education. Wow. Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes in the United States today than white women. Black maternal mortality is worse today in the United States than it was 25 years ago. And there were 50,000 preventable near deaths of pregnant women. This means women who hemorrhaged during childbirth or, you know, or other, but came close to death. Uh, And that figure has risen 200% since 1993 in the United States. And so when we think about equity, race, and reproductive health, you know, for all of those companies that back in the summer of 2020, after the George Floyd murder and during the Black Lives Matters movement, for those companies that put out a statement that said we are committed to being an anti-racist organization, like this is where you can take action right. and put meaning to that commitment because reproductive health affects all women and all people broadly, but there are particular risks for women of color and women who are uh, lower income in our country. And so that's where, again, this equity issue really needs to be lifted, in my opinion, in the workforce and amongst the business community. Yeah, fantastic points. I appreciate you adding that on to the end there. 
kind of uh, along those same lines of equity, you're talking about race. And I also want to add on to that and build on to that conversation with regard to gender, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about reproductive rights and gender affirming care, because that is, you know, there's a lot of crossover there, we need to consider all genders. And so can you say a little bit more about that uh, before we move on to kind of diving in a little bit more to the article? Because I think that there may be some listeners or some viewers who may not be familiar with kind of the the spectrum of gender identity and how that leads to reproductive health. Absolutely. So I kind of shorten when I'm talking about this topic, I kind of shorten my language frequently to talk talk about women of childbearing age, but really this can encompass all genders, gender non-binary, but anyone who has reproductive organs is, is included in this topic. And then I would also just say gender affirming care, healthcare for transgender individuals is also very enmeshed in this topic. And the pattern that we're seeing is that legislators and politicians in the same states that are restricting access to reproductive health care are also trying to restrict access to gender affirming care. So these issues are really intertwined. And one more stat that I want to mention, because I just came across this yesterday and I found it fascinating. A majority of Americans across all political parties. So 68% of Republicans, 86% of Democrats, and 74% of of independents think that employers should take concrete steps to protect abortion access and reproductive care access. So this really spans all people, regardless of political affiliation, recognize the importance. And I think recognize that fundamentally, when we talk about healthcare, reproductive healthcare, gender affirming care, this is an issue that should be between the individual and their doctor, mm-hmm. not politicians. Right. And so, uh, but I, I, I do, it's important that we lift up the connection there in, in these topics. Yeah, for sure. Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessibility as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibility.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now, back to the show. Okay, so let's revert back to the article that we talked about at the top of the show. In that article, there were a few questions that you mentioned companies, let's say agencies in this case, should be evaluating their policies through. And I think it would be great to kind of just spell out what are those few questions that they need to be thinking about through that particular lens? Yeah. Great. And I'll go, I'll kind of, I'll go question by question. And I will put um, the link to that article in the show notes for anyone who wants to read the full article in addition to listening here. So kind of the, the first question we would encourage agencies to ask is, can all employees and their immediate family members, their dependents, regardless of their employment status, so regardless of whether they are full-time salaried, part-time, um, you know, I would even include contractors in that, though I know that that is challenging, but I think it's a question to ask. But can all employees access health care benefits? And that's an important question because when you dig into data, you know, what you find is often a part-time employee who's only working 20 hours a week, certainly contractors, do not qualify for the company's health insurance plans. And so for not just for that worker, but then also for their whole family. 
they may be excluded from those health insurance plans, which today, most companies that are announcing travel reimbursement, that is a benefit that is only accessible through the health insurance plan. And so if the answer is, oh gosh, yeah, well, you know, we have portions of our workforce that are not on our health insurance plans. And I should also note, there are uh, there's a high number of workers who actually can qualify for a health insurance plan, but who don't opt in for it because it is too expensive. Right. So your lowest paid work worker might have opted out of health insurance through your plan, not because they're getting it elsewhere, but because they can't afford it. So what do you do with that portion of your workforce? Well, the answer is, and we dig into this in the Pro Repro Playbook, um, but you can provide that travel reimbursement benefit through a corporate travel plan. So if you can't go through the health insurance for all workers, you can say, look, we will reimburse directly through our corporate travel plan. And, um, you know, it's not as advantageous to the company because it's not from pre-tax dollars and it may be taxed as income for the employee as well, mm -hmm. but still to get dollars back into the pockets of your workers and their close family members when they need access to these services, that's an important benefit. So that's the first question that I would ask. The second is, is there a mechanism to get cash immediately into the hands of again, all of your work for workers and their dependents. So, they're so not reimbursement. That's what you're talking about. Not reimbursement afterwards, but cash in hand up front. And the reason this is really important, and again, you know, I know agencies tend to, you know, this is a kind of a, a professional work class, and most many people are salaried, and so this may not feel relevant. But again, think about your lowest paid worker. More than fifty percent of Americans have less than four hundred dollars in their checking account. So when you consider the fact that an early stage abortion costs $500 and an abortion after 12 weeks may cost $1,500 or more, that's for the procedure. If most Americans don't have that much money in their account, how are they going to go cover all of the costs and then sit back and wait for insurance to reimburse them after the fact? It makes it literally impossible. And so there are a lot of platforms, third-party benefits administrators through which you can set up an emergency fund. And it can be specific reproductive health fund, or it could be a health and wellness fund, which is a benefit that an increasing number of employers have already started offering to their employees. But that health and wellness fund can offer, you know, anywhere from $500 to $1,500 to $2,500 for a variety of needs for their workers. Maybe it's a gym membership. Maybe it's going to see your therapist. Maybe it's accessing an abortion. But they can seek those funds through this third-party emergency fund platform. And the funds get immediately dispersed within 24 hours into that person's checking account. So that if you are cash-strapped, you can get the money you need quickly to seek this care. And I want to also highlight, because data privacy, of course, is, is a really sensitive issue on this, those third-party platforms, if you say, I'm requesting this funding for medical purposes, you don't have to provide anything more. You don't have to provide a receipt. You don't have to say what the service is. Okay. You're protecting your data. There's, there's an important kind of layer of privacy there. Mm. And then that third question is, have you made sure that as an employer, you are communicating all of these benefits to your employees and articulating for them how they can access these benefits without having to send an email to Marsha in HR saying, hey, Marsha, I need an abortion because no one has ever written that email and right. they won't <laughs> for good reason. Right. So instead, have you kind of thought about how these benefits can be 
accessed ideally again through third-party platforms where your medical data is going to be held private. It will be covered by HIPAA laws. And have you explained to your workforce how they can access those benefits in that safe, private, confidential way? While today there's no one in America who will be held criminally liable for seeking an abortion outside of their home state, even in Texas, you are, there's no criminality aiding and abetting to leave the state to access an abortion. We fully anticipate that that will change. So not having a paper trail, not having email records, super important. And that's something that everyone is really aware of. So as an employer, if you're going to go to the steps to provide these benefits, you've got to make sure that people know how to access them safely and privately. Yeah. yeah. So doing the right thing and then communicating that you've done the right thing. and. Yeah you know, enabling your your employees to access that directly sounds like kind of the takeaways there. And I, I heard you mention a playbook. Can you talk a little bit about that? A pro-repro playbook? Yeah, exactly. So we worked on this playbook for about two months. And then when the Dodds ruling dropped on June 24th, we pushed it live. When I say we, I mean gender ideal. It's the pro-repro playbook. It's free Anyone can download it. It was really written with kind of the small business lens in mind, um, but gets very very much into the details of what those benefits are that you should be providing to your workers and how to provide them, what kind of a good, a better, and a best standard is. And then we've also built out a worksheet that allows uh, the employer to, to estimate the cost of providing those benefits, but then also to estimate the the benefit of providing those benefits, meaning how much are we saving in worker productivity, worker retention, you know, lower uh, recruitment costs because right. we've got a, a workforce that's super committed. Right. And so we are encouraging all companies to download it and use it. And certainly if you ever have any questions or ideas, you can reach out to us. And we are, in fact, we're getting ready to issue the second version of that right. playbook. So we're keeping it fresh and iterating on it. And I would just say, in addition, to kind of those benefits you provide to workers. We also include a list of additional things that companies should be doing. And I want to just mention two of those things. Sure. The first is, and and I know this is like maybe less of an issue for small, medium-sized businesses, but it's definitely an issue for large corporates. Where are you giving your dollars, your political giving dollars, right? There has been now, there are lots of journalists who are researching where, you know, Disney and and Amazon and these big companies that have been providing reproductive health benefits to their workers, but who are they giving their corporate political dollars to? And guess what? <laughs> it's they're they're giving benefits to employees on one side, and then they are giving money lots of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars to the politicians that are passing these restrictive laws. And so, look, I'm not going to say only give money to politicians that are pro-repro, but certainly stop giving money to politicians that are working against, at this point, what I believe is and what the data is beginning to show working against business interests by passing these super restrictive laws. So that's one really important thing. And then the second is to think about where are you doing, where where are you hosting conferences? Where are you hosting corporate retreats? We we vote with our dollars. And so stop spending money in states that are um, passing really restrictive laws that are harming your workers. Yeah. Because in, in all of those ways, once there's an economic impact that's unfortunately the only way that this may be 
Yeah. It's maybe not the only way, but it's certainly one of the, the ways that would. And we saw that in North Carolina a number of years ago when they passed the you know gender gender neutral bathroom ban, right? The right. NCAA pulled out the final four tournament yep. in their state. And yep. guess what happened? They restricted that ban. So it, there there is a lot of power in that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Well, the Pro Repro Playbook, if you want to grab a copy of that, that's at protectreproductivehealth.org. And any any direct um, conversation or inquiry that you want to have with Flory directly, website is genderideal.org. Thank you so much, my friend. This has been a really, really impactful and important conversation, and I appreciate you for having it. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to have this conversation, Kelly. It's been great. Thanks for your time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibility.com forward slash thrive.